on a second Put down your phone, welcome to the feckin' check-in show We might be playing Tekken in the techno-drome With Shredder and Spencer, but never Donatello The boys are back in town again, shenanigans from QO Man, the listener can't stop panicking Now tell your friends to listen to the sound of us pissing in the wind And if you feel like joining in, then do it for the win The sun shines, but I find myself in isolation But fear not, we've got beer at the cooking station Audio and video flows are coming for you The trainer at Jimmy's show, it's cameras action doom the feckin' checkin', so check your feckin' pulses Lentil, soybeans, chickpeas, whatever indulgence Takes your fancy snakes, ladders, or piss politics Just sit back and relax, we got your weekly fix It's the feckin' checkin' show Welcome to the feckin' checkin' show It's the feckin' checkin' show Welcome to the feckin' checkin' show It's the feckin' checkin' show It's the feckin' checkin' show it's camera sack, it's camera sack, it's camera sack should do. It's camera sack, it's camera sack, it's camera sack should do. It's camera sack, it's camera sack, it's camera sack should do. It's camera sack should do. All right, Feckamaniacs, welcome to episode seven of the Feckin' Check In. I'm Trainer, and with me this week is my co host, Toomey. And for a change from the last few weeks, we do not have any guests this time around. It's back to the old school classic duo of Trainer and Toomey. So, welcome to the Feckin' Check In. Toomey, how are you doing this afternoon? I am very good. It's a Sunday afternoon. It's the sun is shining. Um, all good. Um, looking forward to going back to our original format after a couple of enjoyable guest weeks. Yes, uh, we went right down the guest rabbit hole there for the last three episodes. We had our friend Mark, obviously, on. Uh, then we had Tony Kelly appearing as a guest on an episode. And then our most recent episode before this one, we had our friend uh, Kevin Daly appearing as well. So a variety of people there, a variety of input from them. Um, and it was a quite an enjoyable experiment and definitely something we'll do again in the future. But probably we will stick to a couple of uh, classic style episodes with just us two giving our feckin' check-in for the next couple of weeks or so. Yeah, like the the guest episodes are enjoyable, but they're they're a bit different because one of us has to kind of take on the hosting role, and I think the conversations are a bit different when there's three people. So I think it was really really enjoyable, but it's a bit of an adjustment, and I I feel personally that I'm still finding my feet in the three way interaction. Yeah, definitely, because um, there's the obviously there's the chance that you're all going to talk over one another, and when it's two people, you can. One person usually takes a step back and, and stays quiet and then the other person speaks. When there's three people involved in that, it can get a bit messy and kind of people speaking over each other, um, which do, did happen a small bit on some of those episodes. But it's just a, a learning curve, to use a, a abhorrent phrase. Yeah, especially with the Tony Kelly episode. I think the first 15 minutes was you interviewing Tony Kelly and, and it was really good interview. And Tony had some great anecdotes and spoke really well. But I wasn't sure whether to interject, um, and I didn't want to interject and disrupt the, the interview, uh, but it led to a situation where I was lurking in the shadows for about 15 minutes, <laughs> I know. I, curving in on your conversation. I felt bad about that as well myself, but I obviously thought we should interview him a bit, like ask him a few questions, because he had some interesting things to say and points that I definitely wanted to touch on that I didn't think would come up in the traditional feckin' check-in uh, structure. Um, but yeah, I know I felt bad for you. And then as similar to that last week, uh, it was hard for me to refrain from being the host as well I had to kind of <laughs> take a step back and allow you to do it and I was kind of at points I was like okay and I was like no that's not me <laughs> that's yeah and I found it hard to be the host I, I started going okay oh ooh, ah, all those types of things <laughs> yeah anyway but it's uh, good good crack good crack overall and thanks thanks we just say thanks again to the those three guests Mark Tony Kelly and Kevin Daly really did a great job they carried the show very funny and really enjoyable so thanks again um so uh, in re- regarding this episode let's start straight away and let's go into our feckin check-in so to me starting with f from the f-e-c-k acronym can you give us your funny observation of the week please yeah, my funny observation now is related to road rage, or as it was pronounced in that song, you give me road rage. <laughs> Remember that song? Catatonia, yeah. Catatonia, you give me road rage. It always confused me when I listen to that song. It's like a road rage. Road, road rage. It's, she merges it into one word. Yeah. Uh, should we put a snippet of that song in here now? Just sure, yeah. Let's, here. let's let people know what we're talking about so we don't sound like <laughs> maniacs. Give it easy on yourself. You should be making it easy on yourself. Because you and I know it's so 
Catatonia with Road Rage. <laughs> Back to my anecdote about Road Rage. Uh, so I was driving along the Rock Road. Um, this is a coast road that goes from uh, South Dublin into North Dublin or into the, the city centre rather. There's two lanes and then at a certain point you have to filter over to the other lane if, if you're in the left lane because there's a bus lane takes over. So I was driving along and the normal procedure, I was a good bit ahead of another car behind me and my filter lane was occurring. So my lane was ending, it was turning into a bus lane. So I put on the uh, indicator and started to hover over and I just I was looking behind me and he wasn't slowing down and I was indicating over and I was like just very casually going over slower and slower over to the lane over to the space in front of him but he kept coming and coming and coming and eventually he didn't let me in and that made me very 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 angry and then I but I just I just gave him a little Boop, just one of those ones where it's like, I saw that shit prick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a boop. And what he did <laughs> is he went boop. And then he did the finger up to the re- the rear view mirror. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> like the middle finger. <laughs> the middle finger, yeah. And I was like, Jesus, the gall of this guy. And then because I, I was just thinking then it's funny with road rage because the next thought in my head was I'm going to ram him. I'm going to drive my car <laughs> into the back of him and I'm going to ram him. <laughs> and there's a really strong urge to do that. But there's another part of me that was like, no, you can't do that. But there was a really strong possibility of that happening. So eventually what I did was I, I came back. I calmed myself down. I gave him 200 meters. But I was still a bit angry with him. So we came to the next traffic lights. I went into the... The, the left lane because it kind of opened into two lanes again and I pulled up alongside him <laughs> and it was like a boy racer type of scenario so I said to myself I'm going to get out ahead of him I'm going to cut across ahead of him and win um, win the competition <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get the last word in on this but uh, so this was a couple of minutes later at the next light so the light went green I got off to a flyer I went in ahead of him but at this stage he was hanging back <laughs> Right. So I thought he'd be still angry and it would be like a tete-a-tete. But I think he had calmed down at that stage and he decided to hang back like a good 200 metres away from me as we drove on. And then I, I realised that I was being silly and calmed down. So, road rage. Okay, uh, very interesting stuff there. The competitive nature of two people when they're in cars and they have the protective shield of metal yeah. and glass and they can act like completely different exactly. people. Exactly. And there is a part of you that will escalate it. Very interesting. I always find the concept fascinating. Uh, people, when they're pedestrians, don't act nearly as aggressively to one another or nearly as angrily. And they don't get so put out by things that happen uh, in human traffic as they do in actual vehicle traffic. Yeah, I think so. And I think with in human traffic, you never shout at someone. Like my little beep, it was like, boop. I would never go to someone, you cut across me there, you prick walking ahead of me. Or I would never say, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or give somebody the finger. <laughs> yeah. It's mad. And as a non-driver, I, I can't really relate to it. But I often think as a pedestrian, it's shocking sometimes how angry people get in cars. And it's just because I think the car is the protective shield. It's almost like what we were discussing a few weeks ago, where social media is a protective shield. Um, and humans behave much differently to how they would in real life on social media and behind the wheel of a vehicle. Yeah, I think so. It's it's like being a keyboard warrior, isn't it? You can be really aggressive because there's no real consequences within the bubble of a protective shield of the car or the internet. Okay, moving on to my funny observation of the week. So again, I'm going to talk about ads. It's probably boring people to shit now talking about ads <laughs> Your again. Your agenda about ads. <laughs> but as, as I said, I've been consuming a lot more traditional television and I've noticed a lot more ads. And I want to talk about how Irish men speak on ads. I'm specifically talking about this type of ad where the man speaks like this and is probably from South County Dublin, but almost puts on a kind of a growly whisper. And he talks about something like the new range av- available in Super Value this week in store. <laughs> I know the guy. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, know. we have barbecues available and we have fruits and vegetables and candy and it's this fucking ridiculous uh, husky whisper man and either it's him or clones of him or it's just a style that's requested by advertisers nowadays where it's it's all over the place and it's specifically on Irish ads and there's a similar guy on Centra. Try our new range at Centra. Maybe it's the same person because I think they're both owned <laughs> by the Musgrave group but there there you go. 
and it's just, it's it's mental. It's like it's almost like he's doing a, a a played down version of like a movie um you know a movie trailer under this American voice. It's like coming soon, Mel Gibson stars in blah 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 blah. But it's like for Irish products in like a local Super Value or a Centra, and I, I think it's all the time and it's everywhere and it's creeping into loads of different types of advertisements. And it, it's not as bad as radio advertising. In fairness, radio advertising is just mental um, my brother rob alerted me to this a couple of years ago a radio ads just shout at you and they shout in sentences that no real humans would ever speak in their entire lives like what do you mean the carphone warehouse is doing 50 percent off that's right mary it's 50 percent off at the carphone warehouse you mean to say that this week at the carphone warehouse it's 50 percent off so it's not as offensive as that it's not as bad as that but it's creeping into tv advertising and i just think it's just this bizarre strange whispery husky kind of voice that it's it seems so out of place and i don't know why they feel the need to speak like that on ads i have a hot take on this uh, oh, okay is this related do you remember that guy a few years ago uh he used to do the profound poems about dublin growing up in dublin i lost myself and then you know that guy what what format was this in or where, where, where were these seen or heard they were like um it was poetry with music in the background so it was like um youtube it was a youtube would be where it would have been released. I might try and see if I can find the guy. Poet. Maybe you could entertain the listener. <laughs> okay, so a man reading poetry on YouTube. I can't say that I've heard it's it or seen music. it myself. Yeah. Um, Sorry. But see if you can pull it up there and we'll have a listen. Emmett Kerwin, who was a very... He got a lot of popularity. He was, he was doing a, to- a poem about Dublin in a very husky voice. McGowan and McGrath still walk this year, but we can't be far off now. And I'm still waiting for that perfect summer's forever day of long shadows and lens flares. You get one weekend in May and you go apeshit. You get lobster burnt to fuck. And that's all you get. But you don't know until August. But come next May, you're forced in line in Port Marnock Strand and your togs and goosebumps grinning like a fucking lunatic. Okay, yeah, I can see the similarities. It's not something I would have known about at the time when it was released. Or I think the centre ads are just more kind of like bizarre in that there's no requirement or no need for that huskiness you can you can you can allow for it when it's poetry when it's a dramatic reading of poetry i think but when it's when they're talking about fruit and vegetables and stuff like there's just absolutely no need for it <laughs> i have to say uh with Emmett Kerwin, his stuff is actually very good with the music and the drama but it's not going to work when you're talking about uh, sliced pan and uh very good okay right so let's move on to entertainment for this week so can you give us your entertainment point please to me yeah my entertainment this week is i'm a, I'm a big fan of this rapper uh called harry mack and this is a freestyle rapper from america uh he's a white guy um but i came across him on youtube it was it was shown to me by a friend of mine uh, a few weeks ago where he goes around um like just random people and he starts freestyling what might sound a bit annoying <laughs> but uh he brings around music with him and they give him words and it, it's completely unscripted and he does a, a brilliant freestyle uh with the words and i've i've a long time been interested in freestyle as a former rapper myself i was never able to freestyle or come up with words uh quickly enough i think it's it it requires a lot of brain power to be thinking of the rhyme and to come up with a new word to put it in a rhyme to think of subject matter to go around that rhyme and he's able to do that so he just doesn't just rhyme the words he actually develops a little story or an anecdote about the words you give him um, so you kind of feed him words and he takes it uh, but i also really admire about him how he's adapted to um technology and how you can be interactive as a musician with with your fans and he's he does i think it's two or three times a week he does this uh live stream the user or the the fans type in on the the chat words for him to rhyme so it's completely interactive and i got him to do something for the feckin check-in show yeah you showed me this but this was excellent but yeah go ahead yeah it was great i uh i gave him just a description of the feckin show feckin check-in show our show <laughs> and uh Asked him to do a little rhyme about that, so I'm just gonna play that now. Once before that, my lyrics is crowd arousing. Much love, yo, from the feckin' checkin'. Hey, yo, I'm old school like Tekken. The podcast about funny observations, entertainment and culture, and lots of racing through your mind with the kernels of truth. I'm in the booth, yo, I told you I'm the real deal, never been a spoof. This is Mac, all these other MCs is so aloof. If I spit my lyrics off the top, they 200 proof. Come on, it's never watered down. Freestyles are 
current skills, flats, dropping MCs, the blood spills, drills, hitting the vertebrae, uh, and I be increasing the murder rate, yo, let's keep it positive. Excellent stuff there from Harry Mack, uh, nice to get a shout out, even though it was deliberately requested, and paid for if I believe as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you pay uh, Harry, you... <laughs> he'll do the rap for you for sure if you chat in the the kind of open chat you have a a fairly small percentage chance of him uh rapping about the, the words you input because there's just hundreds of people putting in stuff but if you pay let's say i paid five dollars uh your chat goes up to the top and it goes up to the, the the top of the screen and he definitely gets to it and he'll spend like a minute or two so for me it was really worth it uh I got a nice experience out of it. When I heard it, I was very impressed. And fair play to him for doing something like that. It's a, it's a brand new kind of innovative business model. Or, or maybe it's not, actually. I don't know. But it, to me, it seems quite innovative and new. And I haven't heard of anything like it before. I haven't heard anything like that. I'm, like with freestyle rap, the, one of the, the joys of that is getting people you haven't met to feed you with words. And then that could that's a way of proving that it's completely like freestyle. Yeah, good stuff by Harry Mack. Uh, excellent innovation there. Okay, so... I'm going to move on to my point for entertainment now. It's twofold, and I'm sorry to cheat and give two points. But firstly, I'd like to talk about a podcast. It's an Irish wrestling podcast. Apologies to anyone who isn't a wrestling fan listening to this podcast and me banging on about wrestling every week. But unfortunately for you, if you're not, it's one of my main hobbies and pastimes. And while this isn't a wrestling podcast, it's definitely a wrestling-friendly podcast, I would say. So I consume a lot of podcasts and watch wrestling. So unfortunately, if you don't like it, I'm sorry. But I'll try to make it as interesting as possible for those who don't so anyway there's this guy his name is colin his surname escapes me at the moment and he's doing a, an irish wrestling based podcast called kicking out of kayfabe it's recently been launched on both youtube and on spotify and other podcast platforms and the premise of the podcast is he interviews irish up-and-coming wrestlers on the show people who wouldn't necessarily be popping up on everyone's podcast like obviously there's so many of them out there at the moment and he picks these people and he has a chat about how they got started in wrestling and the struggles they've had to overcome and where they see themselves in the future, where they think they fit into the wrestling landscape. So the first week he had a Callum Black, who's an up-and-going wrestler on OTT. You would have seen him in a couple of the stadium shows, if you were, I know you were at one or two of them. Um, and he's featured on and off on OTT, but he hasn't really always been on the card. And that kind of go, they go into that and they go into the discussion and, you know, getting selected and getting picked and getting ready. And Callum himself had, had never appeared on a podcast before, but he goes into a few different things. Like he felt at one point he became lazy after he got his first couple of shows and he didn't train as hard and he didn't try as hard and that resulted in fewer bookings for him so he kind of needed to cop on and he kind of needed to up his training and up his um, motivation to to get featured on these shows because there's only a, a limited number of spots available obviously on the Irish wrestling scene for, for these wrestlers so he interviewed Callum Black in the first week the second week he interviewed C.T. Flexer another wrestler who's been on OTT on and off over the years as well and these people have just quite interesting stories. So Ireland is obviously quite a small country. There's only a few different places you can train, but the wrestling industry is kind of on the up and it's, it's thriving at the moment. And these people are similar to the likes of you and me. They've all worked in different jobs. They uh, have careers, most of them on the side, but they're also passionate about becoming wrestlers. And, and nobody is really shining a light on these people at the moment. Um, so that's why I think this is an interesting and different podcast if you're into anything like that. But even if you're just into sports and that type of thing and li- listening to interviews with sports people, I think people could find uh, some enjoyment out of this. Uh, the CT the CT Flexer episode, he talks about how he's really, really into bodybuilding and like that's one of his main passions as well. I'm sure some people could relate to that. Uh, a lot of fitness and bodybuilding um, enthusiasts around Ireland popping up over the last few years, definitely. So I just think it's a, an interesting and, and new uh, <clears throat> wrestling podcast and different to those that are out there because, as I said, it shines a light on those people who don't heavily feature on what's already available because there's a lot of content available out there. Great, and it's good to hear the story of the underdog and the up-and-coming uh, wrestler and what it's like behind the scenes and the psychological uh, demands of that and then the political demands as well. So that, that sounds really interesting. Exactly, and to me, the behind-the-scenes stuff is always more interesting than what plays out on screen. And it links into you talking about The Last Stand and me talking about The Last Ride. And just gen- generally, I've always been fascinated by the behind-the-scenes stuff. The inner workings of things, I always find, makes for fascinating content often more so than the actual main product or the main thing itself so uh, it's quite an interesting podcast um, so give it a listen if that's your cup of tea um, 
the next thing I wanted to talk about is the trip. So I mentioned the trip on last week's episode, and that's the comedy show featuring uh, Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon, where they are reviewing restaurants. So they've done four seasons of this now. Um, the first one was in the UK, and then they did one in Spain and Italy, and now they're in Greece. So it's six episodes per season, like an old school British sitcom. Uh, and Rob Brydon and Steve Coogan just play off one another. So the whole setting is that they're playing exaggerated versions of themselves. So think Kirby Enthusiasm or extras when celebrities appeared on episodes of that and they're playing heightened exaggerated versions of themselves and the whole back and forth banter between them is usually them doing impressions of celebrities so ones that come up regularly are Mick Jagger from the Rolling Stones, uh, David Bowie, Anthony Hopkins, lots of classic old school actors, Marlon Brando, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino and they're just bantering back and forth and doing these impressions and trying to outdo one another with their impressions and it just it, it's it's hilarious like it just it's constant and it's kind of repetitive but it, it just keeps growing and growing in intensity and in humor. If you think if it's Heracles, he was someone. Heracles, who, don't you mean Hercules? Uh, if you're if you're using the Roman name, then yes, that I would only be know Hercules. him from the film. Okay, well, Heracles uh, is the Greek name for him. He murdered his wife and children. You know, and the labors, played him the labors, in the movie. Okay, the labors of Hercules, if you like. Hercules in yes. New York was if you one of his first movies. Thank you. From a Christian perspective, is basically him serving his penance. Can't even imagine Christianity yeah. forgiving a man for murdering his wife and children. Well, you're quite right too. But, well, yes, but Mr. Coogan, well, you're suggesting that that the man standing before us no, today, but, no, but this who is, murdered is, his wife and children, no, should be, should be you, forgiven. Hercules Arnold played him in Hercules in New York. Hercules in New York. It was one of my first films. One of my first. You sound a bit like. Uh, Werner Herzog there. That's right, that's who I was doing, films. I was doing Werner. I was one of my first films. It was very hard to do. I had to get Arnold Schwarzenegger to do it for me. My name is Giorgio. Everybody calls me George. Just as a, as a bit of a sleeper show, I'll recommend it to people. Especially people, obviously, who like Steve Coogan's work and who like Rob Brydon. I previously didn't really have much time for Rob Brydon before I saw this, but you do get to see them in a different light. And I just think it's kind of flown a bit under the radar. People mightn't necessarily be aware of it, but it's excellent. It's one of the best comedy-based programs I've seen in recent years. It, it's very original because the premise, while doing an exaggerated version of yourself, is obviously nothing new. The setting and the job they're actually doing, going to all these restaurants, leads to very, very interesting chats and conversations between the two of them. And, and there's a bit of a serious side to it as well. So you get to see like what's going on in their lives and their relationships and stuff. And obviously, it's actors that are in the show. These aren't their real spouses and kids and stuff. But the way it's portrayed and the way it's put on screen, you get sucked into it and it feels real it's presented as if it's real like so it's presented in almost like a documentary format so that's the trip it's on sky one uh season four which is the last season but uh yeah that's what i've been enjoying recently that's really good yeah i think it it probably is a sleeper hit i i hadn't heard of it i've just googled it here and it seems to have gotten a lot of really good uh critical reviews um and it seems to have just ended recently as well um with the trip to greece it says here so yeah the trip to Greece was the last one, and I think they, they make a feature film out of each episode, each season as well. So they make a cut down, shortened version. So I think they've done that with the trip to Greece. But I would recommend watching all the full episodes themselves. If you have Sky, they're available on the Sky Player, or I'm sure you can find other means of watching them. But I just think it's a, it's an excellent under the radar show that the people might enjoy if they knew about it. Absolutely. So this brings us on to the midpoint of the show for the the song of the week, and I actually think this might be. Your first song of the week, because I've done a couple. Maybe it's your second song of the week. But it, anyway, without further ado, it's your song of the week choice, uh, Trader. So what have you chosen for this week? Yeah, so this one is, it's a bit of a cheesy track. And it was released just recently. It's an Alice Cooper song. And it's called Don't Give Up. So this is Alice Cooper's message to the world about not giving up during the coronavirus. Now, for those who know me, I'm, they probably know I'm a big Alice Cooper fan. I've, I've seen him live a couple of times. And I'm, I'm a fan of quite of, a lot of his work across multiple different eras. He's had many different styles over the years. But this kind of plays into his 80s kind of hair metal-y type of style, which he hasn't done too much of recently. So it's an old school rock track with a message. As I said, it's a bit cheesy. It relies on a few rock or heavy metal tropes in its lyrics and there's some kind of cheesy-ish uh, spoken word aspects to it as well but I have to say as a song it did its job it uplifted me when I listened to it so this is Alice Cooper's message to us the world in the midst of the coronavirus don't give up 
Yeah, I know you're struggling right now. We all are, in different ways. It's like a new world that we don't even know. It's hard to sleep, even harder to dream. But look, you got seven billion brothers and sisters all in the same boat. So don't panic. Life has a way of surviving and going on and on. We're not fragile, and we sure don't break easy. You know it's so hard to cope when you're just hoping there's hope. We're all hanging on by a thread. We're all staring at the razor's edge, but we're not gonna step off the ledge. No. Our enemy. Is a cold, indiscriminate monster. It doesn't care if you're old or newborn. It exists to kill. You and I are nothing to it. It has no heart or soul or conscience. Do we fear it? Yeah. Do we cower before it? Hell no. We're the blood and guts human race, and we win. You know that is right. So we just gotta fight. Yeah, we're all. Okay, so yeah, there you have it. There, that's the Coop, Alice Cooper, playing his latest song called "Don't Give Up." Uh, did you? What? How did you think of? What did you think of that to me? <laughs> I was surprised that there was sp- spoken word in it, but I thought it was uh, poignant and uplifting uh, in the current times. I don't think he'd get away with it outside of the coronavirus. He started doing songs like this, but I did like the lines: uh, "We're all hanging on by a thread. We're all staring at the razor's edge." but we're not going to step off that ledge. Yeah, and those were the kind of tropes I was talking about. Like, those lines have been used in multiple songs over the years, living on the living on a razor's edge. I don't know what on. a razor's edge is, but it sounds good. <laughs> well, it's kind of almost stolen, stolen directly from an Iron Maiden song called The Evil That Men Do, which is living on a razor's edge, balancing on a ledge. But uh, I think the razor's edge is just like, you know, you're... you're in a precarious situation. Imagine standing on an actual razor's edge. I want you to picture it. You're standing on a razor's edge. The razor is turned. It's turned upwards. You don't have much room. Either side, if you, if you fall off, you're fucked. So you're kind of balancing on this. So it's some sort of giant razor's edge that I'm balancing on. We are. As a humankind we are. Seven billion brothers and sisters balancing on this razor's edge. But no, <laughs> I like that type of music. And I find it really uplifting. And what, what I could envisage in future is if... Obviously, we're allowed to go back to concerts after six months to a year. I could imagine that being a, a huge hit, going down really well, especially like at an open-air concert or something like that. People celebrating the fact that we've lived through this and now it's done and we're finished and we, we defeated it, basically. So there you go. That was my song of the week. Absolutely. And this brings us on to the culture. Actually, I'm introducing myself because it's my go, isn't it? Uh, it is your go. Go on. Continue. Uh <laughs> I came across the phrase in terms of culture, regarding culture, vis-a-vis culture, uh, no need for any of that, uh, and that is a phrase I heard called centralised working. So I saw an article, it was about how uh, Facebook have decided to move 50% of their employees to remote work permanently, and this follows on from Twitter's giving uh, staff members the option to work uh, remotely permanently as well, so n- not to do with the uh, the coronavirus. So and I, I saw uh, an article linked by David McWilliams, The Economist. Uh, it was a, an article in the Financial Times, uh, just to, to cite the sources correctly. Uh, <laughs> Very high, bro. In, 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 in case I've from Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper to Financial Times. Yes. Um, so the phrase was centralized working. Um, and that was about how centralized working is ending. So this is when you go into the center of town to go into an office, a center 
where work takes place that that what we're going to be seeing and that the coronavirus has speeded this up is the end of centralized working what we're going to see is decentralized working remote working where there's no center there's no need to be in the center for work where the all the offices are and this is going to be a completely new uh phase for the world where the there's going to be less need to worry about your commute um the only reason you want to be near the the city center going forward is for like restaurants and culture and bars and cinemas and all that um but the need to to be near your office to commute for a lot of workers obviously there's there's a lot of people it just doesn't apply to but like tech workers and people working in offices it, it it's only going one way really isn't it decentralized working or remote working yeah i mean it definitely is and in the company i work for working from home or working remotely was a a luxury that some people had and something you could avail of if you were in a pinch let's say and you needed to for some reason there was almost a shame to it wasn't there you had to apply for it yeah so the infrastructure was there but it wasn't availed of on a massive scale. But now, obviously, everybody who can is doing it um, in my company anyway. And I am in a a tech-type role. And not everyone who works for my company is, but most people are in some way in an IT-based role where they can turn on a laptop at home and connect to the company's network and work that way. And one thing I was thinking of as you were saying that is what's going to happen to our city centres as a result of decentralisation? The very concept of a city centre is there's lots of industry there and there are lots of massive office buildings which in in some cases house thousands of employees what is going to happen to those premises what what are they going to turn into is it going to be turned into residential housing or what what's going to become of them yeah and that's what the the article was about that that the demand for commercial property in dublin in particular is going to go way down and that it, it was also saying in the last few years there'd been a bubble around commercial property where uh, developers and people buying the properties assumed that the price would always go up, so the prices were sky high. Um, so that could completely change. And yeah, I don't know what's going to happen to those buildings. Yeah, and it, it's almost like we knew about this for so long, but it's still out of left field. It's like nobody saw it coming. Um, and yeah. like the, the working from home, it's been, <laughs> it's been increasingly easier to work from home over the last decade. Yet nobody ever envisaged that that would become the norm or even 50% of the norm. Uh, and now it's kind of taken people by surprise. I, I, I used to work around Grand Canal Street uh, in, on a project a few years ago and Google were buying up buildings left and right there. They, they own a lot of property around there on Barrow Street and the surrounding areas. And, uh, and Facebook owns an office around there as well. And they are probably one of the first companies now who are after all of this. Who was the company you mentioned earlier? Was it Google? Google, yeah. 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 So they're going to be one of the first people who are pulling out of these high-priced, high-rent buildings um, and leaving so much commercial property fallow, empty, for... And who, who's going to step in and take the offices from the Googles? Like, who, who's going to be like, yeah. yeah, we need that massive building. Who's going to take it? Like? Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to take it. Sorry, sorry, that was actually Facebook I was mentioning earlier. All oh, right, Facebook, <laughs> sorry. Just, sorry. To, just to correct that. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. And, like, I think it all goes down to the internet, like, with the internet and video conferencing technology, there, there hasn't been a need to have centralized place of work for 10 years. And I think it's interesting that this has forced everybody into the full capabilities that the internet allows. Um, there maybe there was a, maybe a human social obligation or mental block where I don't know what would have, would we have just kept working with the centralized model? I'm just calling it the centralized way of working for short now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what, what would you have seen happening without the coronavirus? Do you think we would have, like, would your job have continued on the same lines, do you think, for a while? Or? There was a lot of push from some people in my organization to increase the uh, allowance for working from home. And I think it was kind of maybe out with the old way of thinking, in with the new. But that was a gradual process. And some managers represented the old way, and they wanted everyone to always be in the office and teams to be sitting beside each other. But newer younger people let's say were pushing for the new way and i think all this has done really is expedite what was already kind of happening and it's just made it happen a lot sooner than anyone probably ever expected but i think maybe in five years time we might be might have been where we're at now but the coronavirus has obviously given it a kick up the arse and it's born out (laughs) necessity is the mother of invention as they say so this is why all these things like zoom are popping up maybe they were there before but nobody really knew about them so all of this infrastructure all of this technology is now like hold on a second you don't need to go anywhere and do anything we can do everything for you so i think it's just expedited that whole thing and as you as a person let's say in the next 
sorry to make it personal, but <laughs> but you let's say if your job you're not you're no longer going to have a need to be near your office. Could you see yourself moving further outside Dublin? to get a bigger house let's say when it's whenever that time comes when you're ready to buy a house because that's the kind of the way i'm thinking now i'm thinking maybe the commute is is not important at all anymore and and they won't be important in the future i have never thought of that i have to say that that that, that hasn't crossed my (laughs) mind Uh, but i will answer as honestly as i can based on just having been asked the question okay (laughs) i i think that maybe you do have a good point there and my whole thing has always been i want to be near the city but if the city turns into something that isn't what we know now as a city it's just a place Mm. for maybe bars and restaurants as you said perhaps a small town could facilitate that need i I only go to the same four or five places all the time anyway so you know what's the bloody difference like it's not as if i'm out there trying loads of new places all the time uh so that's a good point about the town yeah yeah a town that's like I, i love when i go on holidays like um if you're in like a small town, maybe even in Ireland or something, I love the feeling of being in a small town for a short period of time. But then I do miss all of the trappings that a city will provide to you. But if a city is really not going to be a city anymore and lots of people are going to be working from home and you're not going to be in the office and you're not going to be going for after work drinks with your colleagues because you won't have a centralized place to meet them then the whole world and the whole city infrastructure and the whole city design as we know it could be completely different and what i deem as important as been living near a city what that provides to me what i think is important about it might not exist anymore so with that in mind yeah i could foresee possibly moving out further away from dublin based on that we'd have to see how things play out maybe over the next five years i think that's a really good summary and lots of food for thought there and i won't uh, labor this this point any further i will go i will throw it back over to you and you maybe trainer could tell us about your culture uh, for this week, your yeah, cultural observation. Sure. So this is an observation I've made uh, over the years, and uh, I'll just go straight into it. It's I'm always astonished at how much anger some men, and it's always men, can fit fit into the word hello. Right. <laughs> okay. Random one. <laughs> I'll give a bit of background on this. So I used to work in in many different call centres over the years, and uh, they were doing various different jobs in those call centers from telesales uh, outbound telesales uh, to cold calling for market research surveys um, and other things in between customer care type of stuff as well and um, over the years I used to have to cold call or, or in some cases it was a warm call they would call it so it would be like existing customers of a company I know it's disgusting <laughs> existing customers of a company who had opted into marketing via telephone you were ringing them up to inform them about new products available trying to upsell them something so but really that is kind of a cold call because nobody wants to receive those calls despite what they put down on a form 20 years ago allowing you to contact them they've forgotten about that and it's, it's an intrusion in their life so people used to answer the phone, and uh, you'd get this certain type of male character, and it'd be, "Hello," <laughs> they, they'd say on the phone. Right? I did my best there to get as much anger as I possibly can into that. But that's how they would answer the phone, and they're pissed off at you, and they're angry before anything has been said. <laughs> it's so familiar. That's why I'm it's like, "Hello," and like they almost bark it at you. And I always used to be taken aback by this, even though it happened all the time. And it, there's almost nowhere you can go from there because they've they've they basically told you to fuck off without you even saying anything to them it's like they're angry to have had to answer the phone they're they're annoyed with you before you've even launched into your spiel and they just they just summarize it all with this short little greeting hello (laughs) and and I, i noticed this the other day as well so you notice it in real life too so it's usually a kind of young 20 something year old kind of tough man hanging around outside the shop wearing a tracksuit type of character and this is when one of their friends is calling them. And I think it's to, it's to put out this image of like toughness or I'm a hard man and I even my own friends, I hold them in contempt. <laughs> so this guy received a phone call from his friend and it was the same type of thing. He was like, hello. And they had this conversation about whatever, but you could tell the two of them were friends. But like, it was just this this anger contained within the word hello and it's it's, it's it always seems to be men and I've noticed it a lot over the years and it's, it's always shocking and I, I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're trying even it maybe it just comes naturally to them but yeah it's always it's always taken me aback slightly they're uh, slow to warm up shall we say uh, these men yeah uh, <laughs> I found it in face-to-face interactions as well like they they look at you really annoyed for greeting them like sometimes if you get a repairman over to your apartment or something like they don't really want to talk and they try and avoid the greeting i find the head is down on the ground and then you go hello and they'll go 
Yeah. <laughs> I give you like something out of the side there, man. <laughs> yeah, they want to get in and do their business and get the hell out of there. Well, I don't blame them for that. I mean, imagine going into people's apartments all day and fixing shit. I mean, it must be awful. Uh, but I, I would put the customer at ease if it was me. I would go, oh, hello, how's it going? I would go out of my way to, to make that. I would see that as part of my service. But Fair enough. Yeah, fair maybe enough. Maybe I'm better than them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're alluding to here, really, isn't it? <laughs> to be honest. No, I'm not better than them, etc. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, right. Excellent stuff. All right. So now we move on to a kernel of truth. So give us your kernel of truth for this week uh, to me, please. Oh, Colonel's Truth. Great. Uh, the good Colonel. Hello, Colonel. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going for there. Uh, but I do like a good Colonel of Truth. And this one actually um, is to do with uh, video conferencing again. And, and yeah, a lot, of, a lot of meetings are done online via Zoom and Hangouts or whatever. And sometimes the meetings will have uh, people who might be senior to you or people who are up the food chain in the business or the organization that you work in. And I found that I'm finding them less intimidating when talking on Zoom calls because they're not there face-to-face in their big suits, um, their big intimidating presence. They're not looking at you, staring into your eyes, judging you. <laughs> they're just a, a normal bloke sitting at the other end of a screen. And I find it very, it's, a, it's an equalizer. Ah, okay, uh, yeah, interesting. So, so it's a positive. I don't know if you found that yourself. That like, I don't. I'm just not as scared as people of people. And okay, so you would have been scared of them in the past or intimidated by them. The same people in a room. Yeah, yeah, slightly intimidated by them due to their seniority. But now I'm thinking like they're just some bloke at home with the kids running around in the background <laughs> in their pajamas. In their pajamas. <laughs> yeah. Having a couple. They don't have all the props that give them power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The props, good word. Um, okay, yeah, I see your point there. Um, I am in a similar situation, obviously, as you know, and as we've discussed. I find I, I, the lack of human presence in the room with me puts me on the other end of, of, of that point. I, I find I would prefer to be in a room with somebody because I can see what they are. I can see their facial expressions. I can see their body language. And there are fewer awkward silences, I find, in human contact in human form than there are on a, a skype call or a zoom call or whatever you're having yourself um because i'm on a lot of these calls and, and unfortunately these are people i've never met so maybe it's a bit different but if there's even two seconds silence you're like oh fuck like but if that happened in the real world you would probably fill the silence because everyone in in my opinion anyway everyone would be more at ease with each other being present in the room that's how i would look at it um, and i find actually the Skype type calls throw up more awkwardness. I won't say intimidation, but I'd say uh, I I would be quite nervous sometimes about going on a couple of these calls every week because I just don't know what's on the other end, and I I'd, I'd prefer to see it in person. Mm. And it's really hard when there's a group of people on a, on a Zoom. Uh, you don't know whether you should be the one. You know the way people say, "How does that sound? Does that sound okay?" Yeah. And you don't want to be the one that says, yeah, that sounds great. You kind of wait for other people who might want to make their point. You know, there isn't a clear uh, signal to make your point. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I know you mentioned the thing about the props. And that's it's funny. Yeah. And I, can, I understand what you mean. But to me, I think they almost nearly have more power some ways, in some ways because they're like uh, they can just chime in with anything they want. And it's and like I find people kind of a bit more passive aggressive on on conference calls than they would be in real life that's what i'm, I'm finding yeah little comments or comments little... tone tone is a, is a huge thing i'm finding and again it's probably because i don't know the people personally and maybe that's just how i always speak and i don't know that from any personal experience i've had with them but i'm finding tone is kind of a bit a bit ratty a lot of the time <laughs> and is it one of those things like that you remove the verbal interaction and the body language as you said and it, the focus becomes on other things so like with text messages and, and written communication after a while the, the focus became on the tone the, the way the message was written so you had to after a while have an emoji at the end yeah. to ensure that you were being earnest yeah. and you weren't being snappy and yeah. now it's going to be like you have to you have to like modulate your voice the correct way or else it'll be taken the wrong way that's what I'm having to do myself yeah I, I, and I never used to put emojis or smileys or in any of that shite in my texts years ago and I finally acquiesced and started doing it because you look like a sociopath otherwise because everybody else is doing it and if you don't do it if you, if you hold steady if you hold stubborn on your on your thoughts about that you end up like being the only person who's not doing it so you almost have to give in it's like a social convention that you just have to give in to I know some people are some people are still holding steady some people who I know but uh, I, I, I gave in 
Other so people I, I, are thinking if you don't put in the emojis, uh, they're thinking that guy's a bit short. Exactly. <laughs> a bit of a temper on him. <laughs> and, and I'm trying in my vocal phrasing and the way I speak now, trying not to appear short. So you end up speaking in this kind of Namby Bambi fucking. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that that's great, and I'll follow up on that. That's most certainly, and yeah, should we we can re- discuss this next week? And like, yeah, fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're thinking to to yourself, that short bitch, or whatever. <laughs> you great. need okay. Nambi-pambi. Will you uh, close out the show with your kernel of truth for this week? Great, Trader. So yeah, in the trip, they regularly talk about philosophy and I, I gave a quote from Karl Marx last week and I'm going back to the trip again. It was actually the same episode, but there's a quote from Aristotle. So they're talking about friendship and having close friends and being friends with people as you get older and stuff like that. And uh, Steve Coogan quotes Aristotle. He says, a friend to everyone is a friend to no one. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I really like that. That stuck with me. It struck a chord with me and it made me think of some people in my life, not any of my close friends, but people I've been in contact with or you know been in short-term friendships with in my life and they seem to be on the surface they appear to be best friends with everybody and I find that I'm less trusting of a person like that in general because I can only maintain maintain a certain number of strong friendships in my life uh, maybe like I, I'd say I have maybe like we have a quite a close group and then outside of that I might have five close friends but some people like they would be out with a different group every week I'm thinking specifically about people I was in college with and they would seem to be on great terms with absolutely everybody they meet and they address people really in a very familiar tone almost everybody and when I heard Steve Coogan quoting that a friend to everybody is a friend to nobody or a friend to everyone is a friend to no one it just st- stuck with me and it made me think of people in my life who I've thought that about I thought that about but could never articulate in my own head mm. and does it tap into I wonder more extroverted people who are able to feel at ease around other people and can put other people at ease and and maybe get more natural enjoyment from the interaction and therefore the quality of the interaction with the individual person maybe isn't as important because they're just having a good time whoever they're talking to yes i think maybe it does actually yeah and you wonder then this person who's on familiar terms and friendly with everybody could i actually rely on them if i need them for anything or does does the friendship and the the happy-go-lucky nature does that end at a certain point and then is there nothing left after that so that's why i said these people i'd be less trusting of them because they seem to be best mates with every single person so i wouldn't trust them with anything that was close to my heart because i i feel there's a shallowness there about that approach yeah because like everybody knows that it's really hard to have really strong bonds with with certain with huge groups of people you can have strong bonds with like close friends and stuff but but human beings we just have a limit on on the amount of people we can be really close to so it's it's almost unnerving when when people are like that with Hundreds of people. Yeah, it's off-putting, I think. Off-putting, yeah. Right. Do you want to hear what Julia Doherty, a mother homemaker, thinks of this on, on the the uh, forum www.quora.com? I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> so Julia says, uh, in response to the question, how do you feel about this saying, a friend to everybody is a friend to nobody? So Julia says, first, we simply do not have the time and energy to be friends with everyone. Sure, we can be civil to everyone and we can even try to be kind, but friendship is a mutually developed bond, a relationship that takes time and commitment to maintain. Anyone who claims to be a friend to everyone or even to a great many people is either using the word in a different sense, such as acquaintance or social contact, or spreading themselves too thinly to maintain such deep connections. Yeah, and that that actually plays into my own thoughts on even using the word friend. I would be quite economical with who I would describe as my friend and who who I'd describe as a lad I work with. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it, it takes a long time to get into the friend area with me. And I don't know if other people are the same, but the word means a lot more to me maybe than it does to some other people. So I wouldn't use it loosely. And maybe that's that's a, a really good point because like maybe it's acquaintances. So the people with all those different friends actually have hundreds of acquaintances and they don't have those maybe they don't have those deeper friendships those those the ones that take up more of your time you would think that surely they couldn't because if they had they wouldn't have time to have all those many many friendships because a friendship as you said there it's mutual and it's developed it's not just some flimsy thing that you can just have a million of like because there's there's a lot of give and take and support and all that in a, in a genuine friendship i think yeah 
And it's a weird one because maybe with the people who are like that, it's less important to them to have those steady friendships. If if you can access a certain degree of comfort with acquaintances, then in your mindset, it's going to be less important to um, foster deep bonds with a smaller group of people. Yeah, I'll be wary so. of those people. <laughs> <laughs> Slittery snakes. I was trying to do the, the empathetic <laughs> devil's advocate. So uh, this brings us to the end of the show. Thoroughly enjoyable from my end. Uh, we went through the facts. One thing we didn't do last week was announce our two-faced fake snake of the week. Yes. Um, so would you like to address that this week, uh, trainer? For last week or for this week? For la- or last for week, and then we'll go into this week's one as well, maybe. Uh, two-faced fake snakes of the week for last week it must be Ryanair with their with their nonsense and their emails and their disingenuous uh, pretense prioritizing, prioritizing prior- the customer and all of those statements that they've been making broadly to everybody. Uh, everybody can't be a priority. That's bollocks. Two-faced fake snake of the week last week is Ryanair. Absolutely. And Ryanair were uh, nominated last week, but we just didn't ratify the, the nomination and vote them in. Yeah. And I, I, for this week, I'd like to name the people who are friends to everyone as Two-Faced Fake Snakes of the Week. Using the word fake in its truest sense, you can't be a good friend of everybody. That There's a certain falseness that goes in with that, as far as I'm concerned. That is a really good candidate. The only one I'm going to put forward is my road rage enemy, um, the guy who stuck the, the two fingers up at me. But in fairness, that wasn't really two-faced fake. He was fake snake. Uh, he was kind of open and straightforward in his communication, what he was trying to convey to me. So with, uh, without reluctance, without further ado, I ratify your two-faced fake snake of the week. Would you announce it again, please? Yes, the two-faced fake snakes of the week are the people who are a friend to everyone, yet really they're a friend to no one. Great. So that's going to wrap it up for episode seven of the Feckin' Check-In. I've been Trainer. He's been Toomey. That's it for a week. Until next time, any final words, Toomey? Feck off. My lyrics is crowd arousing Much love, yo, from the feckin' Checkin', hey yo, I'm old school like Tekken The podcast about funny observations Entertainment and culture and lots of racing Through your mind with the kernels of truth I'm in the booth, yo, I told you I'm the real deal Never been a spoof, this is Mac All these other MCs is so aloof If I spit my lyrics off the top, they 200 proof Come on, it's never watered down Freestyles are in skills, flats Dropping MCs, the blood spills, drills, hitting the vertebrae, uh, and I be increasing the murder rate. Hey yo, let's keep it positive. Let's deflate this negative.